Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the 23rd Psalm. We are concluding a series of messages through Psalm 23. We've been coming verse by verse. Today we're in verse 6 of Psalm 23. And here's the key concept today. Let the shepherd lead you to safety. Let the shepherd lead you to safety. Psalm 23, verse 6. Now, last week we noticed in verse 5 that... In verse 5, David changes the imagery in terms of who we are as the followers of God. He changes the imagery from sheep, we are his flock, to family at his table in verse 5. Our cup runs over with blessing. We enjoy his hospitality as his people. And today, as we end this treatment of the psalm, we'll see that we not only will dwell in safety, but we travel in safety along the way. And the reason for that is because God posts twin guards that have our back. And those twin guards are goodness and love. Let's read together Psalm 23, verse 6. You follow along as I read. It says this, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wonder if you've ever had the sensation of being followed. You've had that feeling, maybe just like a little feeling in the back of your neck that if I were to turn around real suddenly, somebody would jump into a a doorway. Somebody wearing dark glasses, you know, furtively watching me. Or maybe they'd pick up a newspaper, this kind of thing. Now, if you feel like that a lot, you watch way too much TV. But usually the idea of being followed carries a negative connotation, right? You know, why is this guy looking at me? Why is this guy following me? It's creepy, but not here. Here, the connotation is positive because it's goodness and love that are following us. When you're in the flock or in the family of God, it's not danger that stalks you. It's blessing that stalks you. And it's always right there, ready to be applied in the moment of need. In a sense, we're being guarded as we are being watched, as we're being followed. The feeling that that we get for being followed has changed completely. This is not endangering me. This is protecting me. As a matter of fact, we can picture goodness and love as bodyguards that God puts on our case to follow us along the way. One one author defines God's grace this way. He says, one of the ways that we can uh, define grace is simply this message, you matter You matter. You matter to God. You matter to God so much that He assigns His agents of blessing like bodyguards of a VIP, you know, a little entourage following them around. For us, it's goodness and love. And David starts by saying, surely, surely, not hopefully, not possibly, not maybe, surely. David knows that this will happen. He knows for sure that he will be followed by God's blessing because the blessing is labeled goodness and love. They're they're the ones who do the following. Now, if we return to the image of the flock, okay, and the shepherd out in the pasture lands once again, 
We can see that the good shepherd is out in front of the sheep. The good shepherd is leading the flock, finding the good pasture land and the places of rest. That means the goodness and love that are following after could be pictured as the sheepdogs, right? Keeping the flock in line, kind of keeping them together, making sure we're going where we need to go. Goodness and love. Now, some of you, as you read your Bible, verse uh, 6 of Psalm 23, it doesn't say goodness and love, does it? It says goodness and mercy, right? Goodness and mercy. So what should it be? And what's the difference? Well, in reality, the Hebrew word that is being translated there is the word chesed, and that word means loving kindness, so you can see it's close, loving kindness. But the essence of that word that we really need to find out is that that is not a feeling word, it is a doing word. He doesn't say that the, 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 you will be pursued by those things that feel loving towards you or feel merciful towards you. Rather, it's the action of mercy. It's doing the loving thing that is needed. Goodness wants to bless you. Loving kindness does the blessing, and they shall follow. In fact, it's more than just follow. Interestingly enough, most of the times where that word, what's translated follow, appears in the Old Testament, it's actually translated pursue. In 1 Samuel 26, 18, David shouts out to King Saul, and he says, Saul, why do you pursue me? It's the exact same Hebrew word. David, in that situation, was being pursued by hatred and jealousy and anger. And he chooses, though, this word here to apply to us being pursued by goodness and loving kindness. Because he wants you to imagine that you can't escape God's goodness and loving kindness. He wants you to picture the fact that they are chasing you down, making sure they're right behind you all the way, all the days of my life. The agents of God's blessing are chasing after me. What days? All the days. The days at the job when you're, you feel like quitting, but God has placed you there, and He'll enable you to honor that promise. The days of loneliness when God will take your hand and assure you that the believer is never alone because goodness and loving kindness are always there. The days of suffering. He'll be present to walk you through the valley, that valley of the shadow, and He'll say, this is not forever. This is not forever. In fact, when you think about forever, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's the promise. There's the safety. He'll never let you go and He'll never cast you out. When God invites you to dwell with Him, He invites you, that invitation is for keeps. He never changes His mind. It's forever. Goodness and loving kindness follow me all the days of my life. That's a bold statement. And it's easy to rattle that off when life is good. It's easy just to make that kind of like a, a platitude, a thing that we say to sound spiritual. Yeah, yeah, goodness and love following me. I've noticed that sometimes when things are going well, us Christians have a tendency to say little sayings, little platitudes that really don't mean that much. They just kind of communicate 
you know, that we feel good that day. How you doing, man? Hey, blessed to be a blessing. Okay. What I want you to see is I've never heard that in a hospital room. I've never heard that at a graveside. Those things come out of us as little sayings, little platitudes, so easy when things are bad. I mean, things are good, but what about when things are bad? In those times that our bodies are racked with pain, those times when your relationship shatters because of dishonesty. What about those moments when the ones we love are the ones that are suffering and we'd love to take their place? Here's the good news that you have to not see as a platitude, but you have to have it deep in your heart. Goodness and loving kindness are still pursuing you. They're still pursuing you. One author writes it this way. He says, in looking back over my life, there were events at times which seemed like calamities, paths down which he led me which appeared like blind alleys. But in the end, it turned out for my benefit and my well-being. There were times when I was tempted to bolt and leave his care. Somehow, I had the strange and stupid notion that I could survive better on my own. But despite this perverse behavior, I'm so glad he didn't give up on me. I'm so grateful that he did follow me with goodness and mercy. See, here's what you need to be able to say to your own heart. You need to preach this to your own soul in the difficult times of life. Goodness and loving kindness still have my back. Goodness and loving kindness still are right here. They're chasing me down. Now, how do you get to that mindset to be able to do that? Well, I have a few hints. And the first one is this. You have to learn to trust your faith and not your feelings. Because if you trust your feelings, you will never preach that lesson to your soul. I think back to the final pages of the Four Spiritual Laws booklet. Remember, Campus Crusade for Christ made that little booklet famous. It's a simple explanation of the salvation message. And then at the end of the booklet, though, there was a page across the top. It said, do not depend upon your feelings. And there was a picture of a short little train. The locomotive was named Facts from the Bible. The next car was named Faith. And the last car, the, the caboose, was feelings. And the point of the illustration is it's going to be useless to try to pull this train by this caboose. And it's useless to try to let our feelings drive our lives. This is a vital piece of information for Christians growing up in the Lord because you don't feel spiritual every day. You might look at social media posts. You might look at the stylized videos posted by the celebrity Christians and get the impression that the Christian life is an allure of moments of upraised hands, holy, holy interactions, nonstop spiritual goosebumps because of all the blessings. But most days, most Christians don't feel spiritual. Don't let that have any impact on your faith. It has no impact on how God is working in your life. This is why we need to rest securely on what we know, not how we feel. I think back to Psalm 136. I, I don't have time to go over it with you, but it's a history lesson psalm. 
In it, the psalmist is telling the story of what God has done to the na- for the nation Israel. And he phrases it phrase by phrase, and he reminds people what God has done. He reminds people that God's creator, that God's the rescuer of them from slavery, that God's the divider of the Red Sea, that God's a fighter fighting for them along the way in the wilderness, that God has provided for them in the land of plenty. And all of these phrases of of reminding the people what God has done, and after every phrase, the people are to say the words, His love endures forever. God has done this, His love endures forever. God has done that, His love endures forever. Now, how many times do you think the people say that? Five times? That would be, you know, okay. Ten times? A little repetitive by now. Twenty-six times. Twenty-six times the psalmist says, this is what God has done. You respond to me. His love endures forever. And he's doing that because he wants the people to recall the facts. These are the facts that you must remember when you feel like straying. These are the facts that you need to remember when you sense maybe you're alone. No, his love endures forever. He's shown you that over and over again. His love endures forever. Zoom back, big picture. His love endures forever. And right now, blessing is pursuing you. Because there are days, believer, you're going to wake up and you're going to have to say, today I will rest on my faith. Today I will depend on what I know and not what I feel. His love endures forever. Number two, to get to that mindset, Measure your value through the eyes of God, not through your own eyes or the eyes of others. Because God loves His sheep. God tends His sheep. God values His sheep. He turns His flock into family. And I can absolutely say with positive assurance that God loves you more than you can ever imagine. And the way I know that is because the only thing you can imagine is human love. You can't imagine eternal love, everlasting love. God has always loved you before time began. Eternal love. And He's right there with the blessings as you travel. Thirdly, to get that mindset where we speak the message to our soul, Believe that the shepherd has the entire pasture land in view. Let's go back to that flock image. The shepherd leading the sheep. What are the sheep doing? They're eating, head down, nibbling as they go. Once in a while they look up, but it doesn't matter much because they trust the shepherd. They trust that he's taking them where they need to go. We need to trust the shepherd. Because there's a bit of philosopher in us all. There's a bit of theologian in us all. There's a bit of scientist in us all. What I mean is human beings do not live by instinct. We want to know things. We want to know how things work. We want to know why things work that way. We want to know what it all means. We have questions, in other words. And it makes sense to ask the questions. But you have to remember, as we're asking these questions that there is sin in each of us. And sin in each of us can so extend and enlarge that tendency to ask the questions of life that it will bring us to the point where we pridefully push away faith and we declare to ourselves, unless I figure it out by myself and I get the answers, I'm not going to believe it. 
And the thing is, that will never happen. That will never happen. One of the authors I like, his name is Paul David Tripp. He writes a devotional that I read each day. Some time ago he wrote in that day's reading, in your most brilliant moments, you will still be left with mystery. Rest is never found in the quest to understand it all. It is found in trusting the one who understands it all, rules it all for his glory and your good. That's where rest is found. So, do the theology, ask the questions, do the research, but realize that the God who is your shepherd and your, the lover of your soul is greater than any of the answers you will ever find. And He leads us home. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Camp on the word dwell for a moment because it doesn't say I'm going to be a guest in the house of the Lord or not work as a servant in the house of the Lord, but dwell as a member of the family, the house of the Lord. And it doesn't mean church. He means heaven, our true home for all those who are in the flock of God, a place where all the aspects of home are forever enjoyed, truly home. Today's English version of the Bible and some other more modern translations translates it this way, your house will be my home for as long as I live. And some people get a little hung up there because they're thinking, is he talking about heaven or is he talking about now? Which, which is he talking about? Believer, think about it this way, because I don't know what version you're exactly reading, but think about it this way. If you're a believer, you're going to live forever, and this dwelling has to occur in a forever place. Sure, we're with the Lord now. He's present in our life, but there is a forever coming. And the, we know that ultimately in the Bible, that forever is described as the new heavens and the new earth. If you read the book of Revelation, that's what's described there. But we've developed a shorthand version for that, a shorthand way of referring to it, and it's just we say heaven, heaven, eternal, eternally with the Lord. And here's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live homesick for heaven. We're supposed to desire that. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Look at that phrase, He has set eternity in the hearts of men. What does that mean? It means instinctively, it just built into our, our fabric, there is a sense that this life is not all there is. There is something more. And you who know Christ as Savior, who know what that is, you are meant to be homesick for heaven. One author writes these, the greatest calamity is not to feel far from home when you are far from home, but it is to feel right at home when you're not at home. And you are not at home. You are not at home. We are created to live in a forever relationship with a forever God and to do that forever. You're designed to live your life right now with one eye on eternity and one eye on right here, right now. And don't be ashamed or embarrassed about talking about heaven, about longing for heaven, because you're meant to have a yearning for the life that comes next. Because if we don't keep in our minds the fact that there is glory to come, that we will absolutely be home with the Lord for all eternity, here's what happens, and it happens to Christians all the time. We develop what I'll call eternity amnesia. And when you develop eternity amnesia, not remembering that there is a life to come, you will expect too much from this life. Expecting too much from this life leads you to a grasping life, 
a hoarding life, a greedy life. We will resent every setback. We will resent every despairing moment, every downturn. If we, if we expect too much from this life, we will lie and we will cheat and we will covet because we're going to try to pull every pleasure into our experience here. Eternity amnesia demands from, from a broken, sinful world that what only paradise can supply, and it's never going to supply until we get there. And when things don't come the way we expect as we're trying to push everything into this life, what happens is you begin to doubt the goodness of God. And it happens all the time. You know believers who have walked away from the faith because of disappointment, because of sadness. You know that. But with heaven in mind, even when sadness comes, there is that bedrock truth. This is not for long. This is not forever. I'm not yet home, but I'm going to be home. And right now, the blessing pursues me. See, the evidence in life is clear. There must be more to living than this life. But the Bible is equally clear. Paradise is yet to come. You'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and all those who know Him. So the Lord is my shepherd. A common statement. Don't miss the depth of it. It means the entire gospel is wrapped up in that statement. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my personal shepherd. He cares for me. He protects me. He guides me. He nourishes me. He leads me to a place where I can find peace and rest. He's right there with me in the shadow times, in the valley times. And he says, this is not all there is and this is not for long. All of that is the good news of the gospel and we are called to follow. And as we follow the promises, you'll be, you'll be home. And you'll be home with Him as you're designed to live in paradise, our true home. But I want you to see this. In order to gain that, you have to be in the flock. You have to be in the flock. Ask the average person on the street, what happens after you die? And if they have any sense of an afterlife at all, if that thought has come to them, they'll say, well, you go to heaven. It's just assumed. It's just expected. I guess everybody does, right? We hear it all the time. They've gone to a better place. They're with the man upstairs. But the reality is that can only be said of those who are in the flock. We dare not ignore that for ourselves or for the sake of our loved ones and friends. You see, even in the most good news verse in all the Bible, there is a warning. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The hope of eternal life is there. But did you see the possibility of perishing is also there. And perishing occurs when you're outside the flock of God. But those of us who are following hard after our Savior, we have confidence of care in this life and care continued in the next. Jesus says in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Better by far. That's the thing to keep in mind. And the place is paradise, better by far. When you get there, it will be better. So here's the vital question that Psalm 23 brings us to at the very end. Do you know that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Based on what do you think you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? And I say this not to scare us, but to prepare us. Are we ready? Are we ready? 
Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It sounds easy, but just because it sounds easy, don't underestimate its importance. Because believe means believe that he died in our place. Believe that he took on our guilt. He paid the price for our forgiveness. Believe that he conquered the grave and he lives today. And he's ready to give mercy to those who call upon him. It's more than just, yeah, I think he's, it's real. It's I am committed to the fact that it's real. And I am following him with all my trust. Have you done that? Because if so, you're ready. If not... You're not ready. And if you know you're not ready, the reason you know it is because the Holy Spirit is whispering that to your heart right now. You're not ready. All sounds good, but you have to get ready. And if you need to say yes to the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. I don't know where we all are spiritually or those who are watching on the Internet but I know this has to happen. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? You see, you get ready by faith, and faith is on the inside. But faith is expressed in a prayer. So if you know that right now you need to accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and find His mercy, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer after me, phrase by phrase. Not out loud, just silently where you sit. These are not magic words, but they do express faith. And you say something like this, Lord Jesus, I want the forgiveness that you offer. Thank you for taking the punishment for my sin. Today I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I ask you to make me part of the family. I want to be your child, and I am deciding to follow you, your way. Lord, I don't know who prayed that prayer here in this room. I don't know who prayed that prayer over the Internet as they are watching at home. But I do know, Lord, that you want everyone to come to faith, and you want all to say yes to forgiveness and mercy. And so I pray for those who have said yes today that you would encourage them. Give them an assurance that spiritually things have changed because you are now a part of their life, our lives. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have already prayed that prayer, those of us who already have the faith, we're seeking to walk hard after you. Reassure us with the sense that love and love, uh, loving kindness and, and goodness have our back, that you're always there. Lord, enable us to feel that nearness and when we don't feel it, enable us to know it because you reassure us in faith. Bless us as we seek to follow you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.